What's up, everyone? My name's Sarah. Hey, what's going on? It's Bobby. And welcome to Irregular. Back at it again. And the third episode. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> we start off we that. start off the same thing every single time. We're like, holy we're, shit, we're still doing this. We're like, oh wow, people are still listening. Maybe. <laughs> like literally Maybe. we say the same thing every time. But it's fine. You know, one day we'll figure it out and start off our episodes with like, hey, how are you doing? And all canned responses. It's, this is more genuine. Yeah, I think it's just because we're still so shocked. Yeah, I, because it's like, I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. We never will. But that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So uh, how's your last week been? Oh, my gosh. Um, so I'll just try to keep it short and simple. So I got a foster puppy mm-hmm. on Friday. And he's like a shepherd husky mix. This is my first time fostering ever, which... I probably shouldn't do because I just want to keep every animal that I come across. Hence why I have two kittens now. This is true. And he's like the best. And I am like so torn. I came over today and you're like, oh, you're keeping him. (laughs) Right. He is really cute. I'll give you that. He's such a good boy. I spent like one second with him and I was like, all right, this dog's pretty cool. Yeah, he's pretty dope. That's awesome. Um, Other than that, I don't know. I've just been hanging out with friends, working, and I've been going on some dates recently. So let's go back. What uh, what friends? Who did you? I know you have that one friend that you met out here. Uh, Gabriella. Yeah. How's how's that going? Oh my gosh, she's so dope. She's like me, um, a little bit more funny and the lesbian version of me. There you go. Yeah, but. We just, and she has my, my birthday too. Yeah, you mentioned so, that last time. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we just vibe hard. Um, so, that's dope. That's She's, cool. Yeah. What do you guys do? What have you been doing? I mean, just going out, getting drinks. Where at, though? Like, that's, I, oh, I'm curious. Okay. Just, so, last night we went to Philly. We okay. went to like the Delaware River. Okay. Uh, I don't know what, it's like some pier, but it was Morgan's cool. Morgan's Pier? Yeah. So, I actually was the third wheel on her double, or on her date. Cause, which was weird, but I actually, it wasn't weird when we were there, but she was like, I'm not going without you. You're my soulmate. And I was like, all right, I'll come. So she's she planned a date. Yeah. And then said, you're coming with me. Correct. And at first I said no, but then she was like, I told her we're a package deal. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Free food, oh, free boy. drinks. Here I come. Oh boy. So <laughs> but, obviously it was with another girl. Oh yeah. Okay. She's so I cute. feel like if that ever happened, like if it was a uh, heterosexual relationship, like I would be fucking livid. Like if I oh, asked well, a girl I... out and she brought her girlfriend or even uh, if she just brought a friend, I'd be like, what are we doing? Especially on the first date. But, yeah. And I think the girl was annoyed, but like we all were joking around and stuff. So you like made it whatever. work. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I make things awkward, but like in a fun way. We should like try and get some people to talk about that like if they've ever been on a first date that has had s- another person on there you know what i mean like i think a first date with someone who you know if it was like a almost like a double date and you kind of were getting set up i think that's different totally but this doesn't seem to be like that <laughs> no just two on one 
I was like sitting across from them interrogating the whole time. You're just like playing therapy with them. Like, so do you think you two would work out? What's your love language? What's yours? Yeah, I was I like, so know. what about your past relationships? Yeah, go. And then you just like mediate the whole thing. Oh my gosh, so awkward. Yeah. And then like the only other thing is I've been going on some dates. I hung out with this, this one dude all week. But I'm still at that place where I need to work on myself. I love my independence and I just, I don't do great with like people who are super on my jock you know and i feel like a lot of people are like that so i'm just like uh, i don't know he's a cool guy but i just still want to kind of do my own thing i don't blame you yeah i just moved you know yeah you you haven't been here for very long it's been what two months two months yeah Yeah, that's nothing in the grand scheme of things yeah i need to focus on me yeah get your life here yeah and on top of that you know just get your feet settled in the ground here you know that's a big move Right. I know. I know the feeling. You know, you came from across the country. I went up and down. You know, so I, I definitely know the feeling. Trust me. Trust me. But so, uh, yeah. tell me about your week. Um, I mean, I went on vacation with my family uh, down to Ocean City, Maryland. It was pretty uneventful. Uh, it, it was a good time. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like anything crazy. It was just me, mom, dad, sister, brother-in-law, uh, you know, little niece, and whatnot, and. It felt good to do a whole lot of nothing on the beach. Which so, is hard for you. Yeah, because I like, I like to keep in motion. My mom always says, body motion stays in motion. So, you know, I like I like being busy and all that stuff. So it was, it was nice to kind of just chill and not really have a plan, if that makes sense. Um, it's just kind of, you know, go to the beach, chill, drink too many beers, eat some dinner and play some fucking cards and that's pretty much what we did all week you know we took the we took the peanut over to like the rides and stuff like that so that was a lot of fun hanging out with her and and everything and seeing her be a a three-year-old a three-year-old going on a 13-year-old so uh but yeah besides that you know it was uh it was fun it was fun it was a good time very relaxing but kind of happy to be back yeah i'm sure get back into the swing of things a little bit so we the gym. Oh, well, actually, I worked out down there. So, oh, yeah, where? Yeah, check, check out my shirt. See, it's got that big dog on it. Oh, so you... I bought a shirt from there. So there is a gym that you could sign up for like three days. You know, get like a three-day pass or whatever. So me and you know, my brother-in-law did that. Um, and their gym mascot is this like big, massive... It, he, it's like a massive pit kind of thing. Like, he's pure black, has like these yellow eyes. He looks like a fucking panther. He is mm-hmm. so cool and just like the nicest dog and whatnot. So that's like their mascot or whatever. And the gym oh, was it's a real dog. Oh, yeah. Like oh. he fucking walks around while people work out. Like <laughs> I was confused. I thought it was just like a picture of a dog or something. No, no, no. He's like a, a real dog. His mm-hmm. name's Tiny, but he's obviously fucking huge. Um, but yeah, he like walks around while people work out. He's like the nicest dog on the planet. So it was really cool to hang out with him and, you know, whatever and get a workout in. But now nah, it's just... It's just good to be back and get back to normalcy. Vacation can't last forever, you know what I mean? So I get bored. I get into like these moods where like when I'm like twenty four hours out from knowing that I'm gonna leave, I'm like, okay, like time to just wrap it up. Like mm-hmm. I know it's over. Just fucking get me back so we can just get back into the into the grind, whatever the grind is that week or that month or whatever, you know. So it's like I, I, I do get in moods. There's very few times where I'm like, I'm not ready to leave. Very few. I'm normally checked out by the end. Because like I said, vacation's not reality. You can't just fucking do that 
for most people, for most regular people. Ooh. Smooth. Always plugging, you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah, so I was just like, you know, it's uh it's ready to get back back into the swing of things. So mm-hmm. uh we do have some really interesting topics to talk about today. A little personal, so try not to cry. <laughs> I mean, I'll try to keep it light too, but it's also they're kind of serious topics. Yeah, they're serious and, you know, they're it's going to be interesting because I know you as a person and you know me as a person. And on both of these topics, um, they're kind of both personal experiences, one of which that you've gone through and one that I've gone through. And the the difference is, is that your opinion on what you've gone through is very different than what a lot of people think. And then the way I handled my situation and my experience is a lot different than what people normally do as well too (laughs) so like it's kind of going against the grain here so it should be pretty interesting to have a conversation about that even though we've had it before but -hmm. it'd be nice to share kind of what's going on um you know with our with our listeners and our fans and stuff so get to know us better a little bit just a little bit better yeah so we'll dive into the first one here and it's kind of hard to how do you how do you bring it up it's I mean, I was a drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, there we go. We'll just we'll just kick it off with that, right? Yeah. So, it, it, drug addiction. Um, I mean, it's a huge thing in the United States. It's a huge thing, especially in the Philadelphia area. I mean, Kensington is literally the heroin capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a real fucking problem, and it's very polarizing you know a lot of people have strong opinions you know left right up down diagonal doesn't matter you know there's there's you're never going to have a really strong opinion until you're somewhat directly affected by it whether it's yourself or whether it's um a friend family member or whatever so kind of take us down your journey of what the fuck happened (laughs) all right to keep it light right (laughs) right So I guess um, it started kind of when I was 12 years old, which is pretty young. Um, I think that when I was a kid, I dealt with some things and I, you know, had a lot of emotions surrounding those things, which we'll talk about another time. And I didn't realize that I had some mental health disorders um, and I think that I self-medicated So when I was 12 was the first time that I smoked weed and I got drunk. Um, And in eighth grade, I just started to smoke weed every day and get drunk after school every day. Um, Then in high school, I started going clubbing. Um, Like club clubs? Like where you can... Yeah, like 21 plus. How did you get in? I mean, I'm a girl. Makes sense. (laughs) Say no more. Yeah. So I was kind of a, there were some rappers like in San Jose area Mm -hmm. and I, my friends and I were kind of groupies, which is just like promoters groupies. Mm -hmm. And so we would just go to clubs with them, um, you know, getting drunk, being reckless. And then I would go through phases where I'd be like, okay, I'm done drinking, done using even like ever since I was 12 like I would go through phases where I was heavy on it and then I would be like all right I'm done and I would go into these kind of religious phases which again we'll talk about another time um, like actual religion 
Correct. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, my mom works at a church, so I would, you know, go on mission trips and do all that stuff. Um, So I would go back and forth. And then I guess when I was 22, 23, I got into a really toxic relationship. And uh, he introduced me to some harder things like... I've ob- I obviously had already done cocaine and I mean not obviously but I had done like cocaine and I had done like other party drugs like but, ecstasy yeah and yeah fucking I don't, I don't yeah. know I mean I had done like some Vicodin or whatever okay um but he was a business owner so he had a lot of money that was disposable and he was older than me he was like eight nine years older than me mm-hmm. and he was a hardcore drug addict and he got me into, you know, Oxycontin, um, doing cocaine every day, taking a lot of benzos. I don't even know what a fucking benzo is. Oh, like Xanax or Clonopin or whatever. Okay. So uh, I started doing that every day with him. And uh, that's kind of when my life started falling apart. I always had – I was in school studying biology. Um, I was – uh, assistant manager at a clothing store and I just think I lost my friends and everything I just was so focused on him and these drugs um, I actually overdosed I overdosed when I was younger too but or got alcohol poisoning I don't know but then I overdosed um, and thankfully he left the door open and my dog ran outside to the neighbor and brought the neighbor over and they like saved my life by calling an ambulance because he stole my car and basically left me there to die. Um, Great guy. Huge bush. Super good guy. Um, Anyways, so then after that, I found out he was cheating on me, which cheating we'll talk about another time too. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, So I found out he was cheating on me and I confronted him about it and then he came at me saying... I broke his computer, so I owed him $10,000, which me breaking his computer was literally like a month before that, and it was because I was cleaning the house, and I threw a a pillow, and it spilled water on his computer, and he was like, all right, don't don't worry about it, so then he brought it up when I brought up the cheating, and at this point, I was in outpatient, in drug outpatient, but I was still using. I was just like all right whatever so what do you mean by drug outpatient mean like you would show up to meetings yeah so but still be using yes so uh, you're technically not supposed to use obviously um it was in san francisco um every day for i think like five hours a day and basically it was just meetings and us talking about our feelings but i found that so triggering i feel like for me talking about drugs makes me want to use drugs i know for some people it's super helpful mm-hmm. but that's kind of why i stay away from a lot of like narcotics anonymous and alcoholics anonymous i mean whatever works for you do but it just doesn't work for me anyway so with that guy um i yeah so i ended up one day just dropping off the money even though i didn't really owe it to him and then i went and I was on drugs, but I went and I took a shit on his back patio. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, fuck you. But then I ended up going to rehab, like, right after that. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been to rehab. 
I guess three times. Um, none of them I finished. The first one I got kicked out because I had sex. Um, and then the second two I ran away from. I lived in two sober living houses. Um, both of them all together lasted about eight months. And then I've been to 12 outpatient programs. It wasn't until, and I also went to a city detox, which was insane. It's like, feels like a psych ward, but ridiculous. Like someone was like walking around the room talking to themselves. Everyone, yeah, it was just crazy. Um, It wasn't until I ran away from my last rehab and my parents were like, you can't come home. Like, we're they're, done. They're like, fuck off, yeah. dude. Like, we we did everything that you needed mm-hmm. us to do, and you're still just... And I had taken full, like, so much advantage of them. Like, when I was in sober living, I would just take money from them, them, like, be like, oh, I need this money. Like, they would support me so, so much, and I was just a piece of shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So when they did that, I, I was like, damn... I need to actually get my life together. It was a huge wake-up call. But at the same time, I was I was also really proud of them for finally being like, Sarah, go get your life together. Mm-hmm. So I did. I immediately looked for jobs. I got a job. Um, I got clean and whatnot. Um, I think that I used after that just for a short stint. Um and I got really sick because I was doing a lot of, I mean, I was doing heroin, crack, meth, and like whippets. Mm-hmm. And I got a lung infection. Um, and then that was kind of it for me. I was just like, all right, I'm done. And I've been clean ever since. And that was probably like, I don't know how old am I, 28, almost 29, I guess like four years ago. Okay. Yeah. So what was your main drug of choice? Heroin. Heroin. How would, if you don't mind, how would you... Would you inject? No. So I smoked it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was a smoker okay. of it. Um, I'm, mean, I'm totally ignorant when it comes to drugs. Like, I right. I mean, I understand, like, basics, and I know what's good and what's bad and all yeah. that other shit, but I, when it comes to how to use them, how you go about using them and everything else, um, you know, I... You, like, mm-hmm. I had no idea you could smoke heroin. I knew, yeah. like, I know, like, Oxy is, like, the pill version of heroin. It's literally the same thing. Just, um, just heroin's cheaper and a little bit dirtier. But when people are like, oh, no, I just do Oxy's. I'm like, yeah, but why don't you just do heroin? It's the same. I mean, don't do any drugs. But <laughs> yeah, I just, okay. like, well, I don't down. understand, like, why people are, they say heroin's so disgusting. But it's like, you're still doing the same thing. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I don't know. Like, I think that when I, when the first couple times I went to rehab, I was into uppers. So, like, cocaine and all those, you know, math. Mm. But then once I found heroin, nothing mattered. I would, that was my game over. So, like, what, what does it make you feel like? I have no idea. Again, I have no idea. It makes I smoke pot. That's, that's, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, that's, I'm like a child when it comes to this. Like, that's my experience with drugs. Right. I mean, I don't want to romanticize it. Um, That's not what I'm here to do. But it just makes you not care about anything. And that could be, you know, I don't care about people's feelings. But I also just don't care about the fucked up things that have happened in my life. Mm-hmm. So it really just desensitizes me and makes me kind of cold, but also 
just, yeah, I mean, I just don't feel. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me, I thought it was like helping me with my mental illness, but it wasn't. Obviously. And I, I definitely do, during this whole time, I didn't realize I was bipolar, which I'll talk about later. Um, so I was self-medicating with these hard drugs that were so not helping and even like making my problem worse. I mean, I went to psychosis and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which if you don't know what that means, it means that like I was hearing voices and whatnot during one of my stints. Um, so I was self-medicating. Now that I've actually found a concoction of medications that work, I have no desire to use. Yeah. And I haven't in probably years. I think the desire for me was just taken that last time when I got, like, sick. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredible. But I do have a different view on drug addiction than a lot of people. Yeah, which we've talked about before. And we kind of agree and disagree. We agree on a lot of things and, and disagree on a couple. You know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember I the I conversation. I don't listen to you, so. I don't listen to YouTube too much either. <laughs> um, I try to block you out as much as possible. But... Um, I mean, the, the age-old question is the fact that is addiction a disease? Right. And I I guess we'll start off with your opinion on, on <laughs> yeah. that. You know, right? someone who has no, like, has no clue. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's hard to say, um, but I think that we, to me, I feel like it's not really a disease. I feel like it's a side effect of other diseases. I definitely think that once you pick up, a drug, it is, you know, the addiction part of it. Oh my gosh, this is hard. I think that everyone that I know who is an addict struggles with mental illness. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it is a side effect of that. I don't think it in and of itself is an addiction or a disease, but I feel like it is a side effect of other diseases. And that's where I think I agree with you in that sense that like, I mean, there's only two of us in this room, (laughs) but I was going to say majority of people in this room have never, or, you know, in most rooms that you sit in have not done heroin. And that's one thing that my one buddy who is a paramedic says all the time. He's like, you guys have no clue how powerful like heroin is like, you have no clue how powerful it is. It is literally designed to be addictive. It's a designed in that fashion and you you don't know that feeling so you know the drug is addictive it's ridiculously addictive but i think where people lose sight of the fact of addiction being a disease is i don't think the disease stems from addiction i think it stems from other things it stems from a mental illness because no one anyone who's brain is firing on all eight cylinders you know whose elevator reaches to the top at all the time you know this that, and the other thing can look at heroin and go i can do that and i'll be fine because we all know how bad it is like we all know so why do you do it well there's got to be something missing there's always something missing there there's one cylinder is not firing you know what i mean the, one of the buttons on the elevator isn't working there's something going off to trigger that person to even dive into that um, realm of some sort of self-medication to get that button to work. And I, I that's where I think, like I said, where we agree in the sense that I, I struggle to say that addiction itself is a disease. I don't think so. I think it stems from other things. Then, obviously, 
it stems from there to make the decision to experiment and self-medicate, which then causes the addiction because the addiction again, isn't the addiction, isn't the mental illness. Let's Mm -hmm. also make that clear. The addiction isn't the mental illness. The addiction is to the drug, but getting there is, is, is the, um, age old question where Mm -hmm. it's not a choice, it's a disease. And it's like, well, you start with a choice. It starts with a choice, but that's not saying that that choice wasn't derived from some dark cloud that's in your life or in your mind or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, Nate, I don't know a single person who really does hardcore drugs that hasn't had something cat- somewhat catastrophic happen to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you it, can have childhood trauma. You just have like mental illness that you're born with, whatever. But you're trying to suppress whatever it is, and so that's why you know someone offers you a drug, and you're just like, all right. I mean, maybe this will make me feel better and make me forget all of these issues that I'm dealing with in my mind. Yeah. And so I think that yes, we pick up because we're trying to you know get rid of those thoughts, and then you know addiction takes over. And, and it's and it's kind of just all downhill from there. I mean, you're one yeah. of the few people that I know that has gone down that road, come out of it fairly unscathed. I mean, you've had some shit, don't get me wrong, but... Right. I mean, like, everyone that I know has died. Yeah. I mean, a lot, most of the people I know, have, you know, they had their clean stints too, but... A lot of people I know have died from it, and it's sad. Um, but I'm also pretty desensitized, which is also unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, we we all know. Um, yeah, we all know how you are. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think it. that I ever since I was young, I've been a pretty resilient person, and also uh, just a hard worker, and like I go after goals. Um, so I think that that really helped. And I was like, yo, I can also, I mean, once I was on medication, that freaking helped obviously, but I'm able to see, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I'm going to focus my attention and all of my energy on something else, which is also kind of my addictive personality. Like whether that's working out or, uh, working on a project or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do think in a sense that helped, um, just really putting my all into my goals, like being here or, you know, going to school. I went back to school, took my license, and, well, I don't have my license, yeah. But, yes, yeah, so I, I did all these things to kind of focus my energy that way. And I'm not the type, like, I don't go to meetings. I just, for myself, I don't believe in that, like I said, mm-hmm. because I find that either – people at meetings romanticize the addiction or like, oh yeah, I remember the good old days. And then that makes me want to use. And just talking about people's struggles, I just like, I like to focus on more of like the positive things going on in my life and pushing ahead rather than sitting there dwelling on shitty stuff because we only have one life. Like why not choose every day to be happy? I'm not going to sit there and like talk about my struggles. I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Take us through what a typical meeting would would like be like. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like what's a structure of of like a normal a meeting. AA meeting? So I mean, you go in. Um, the t- the ones that I went to, 
where you would have one speaker and so you go in there's always coffee and like fellowship time where people talk to each other and then um there's one speaker who tells their story um and who is the speaker anybody like someone who has done all 12 steps oh because there's 12 steps of alcoholics anonymous narcotics anonymous cocaine anonymous whatever Mm -hmm. um so they tell their story um and then also they end with the hope that comes with recovery and like where they're at now um and then after that it's like an open forum for people to talk about things they're grateful for things that they've struggled with like that day or that week um whatever and so and then at the end we all stand in a circle and we recite like You, don't you know, know, just just for today or whatever. It's just like a little saying. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much those are the types of meetings I went to. But there's all kinds of meetings. There's ones that you where you read out of one of the books or um, and then analyze it together. I don't know. There's like all kinds. I've been to all of them. I, I've gone to Cocaine Anonymous. I've gone to Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't ever finish my steps, but I had different sponsors. Yeah, good people. Just not for me. So do you think that you your opinions on going to a meeting may be skewed just because you didn't take advantage of the meeting itself? Like take advantage, full advantage of the opportunity that you had. So like you kind of went into it with a bad mindset. So you're like kind of like, fuck this. I don't want to do this. So you didn't really put your 100% effort in. Not saying that you didn't. I'm just saying mm-hmm. like, do you think that maybe like if you went in with, to it with a different mindset that you would actually find those types of things beneficial. And get something out of it. Yeah. So when I was in sober living, it was a requirement that I went to a certain amount of meetings a week. Um, I think at first it was every day I had to go to one. And then as you get more time, um, it was a little bit more lenient. You still had to go often. Like you had to have a... You had to have a sponsor. You had to have a job. You had you had a curfew there. You had chores to do. This was all of my sober living houses. Um, so then I was like, all right, well, I have to go to these meetings. But, like, I'm not going to pay attention. I'm just going to look at boys and whatever, you know. Uh, but then after I got I got clean, I tried to go to meetings. Um, and that's when I started to see that I was getting triggered a little bit. So then I stopped. Um, I think the last time I went to a meeting was probably like two years ago. And I get because I was like, ah, whatever, I'll just give it a chance and see if I can make friends and whatever. The fellowship would probably be nice. But I still had that issue when like I hadn't thought about drugs in two years. And I just, yeah, I made me think of them. And I almost was like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to the Tenderloin cop some heroin whatever and the tenderloin if you don't know is like the drug um the drug area of san francisco oh um so and then i was like what am i doing like i had no desire to use going into this meeting so why do i have a desire to use going out of it so yeah I, i just don't think it works for me but it works for a lot of my friends and i you know more power to them they've been clean for like 10 years like some of them so we're all just different so I guess we'll kind of conclude this topic yeah. with with kind of a, um, what would be, like a suggestion. What do you, if you don't think that some meetings and stuff like that are going to work, like what would you suggest someone who, you know, is struggling with something like this? What would you, what would you recommend? You know, since, since your opinion is a little 
Different. polarizing than than most people's opinion on it. So what, what would you do? I recommend just being open. I mean, I talk about my addiction all the time, and I make I make jokes about it, um, which I yeah I'm just kind of keep them lighthearted. I, but if I have a serious moment, I go to my family, who's I'm so close to my family. When I was growing up, I wasn't close to them, but they're my best friends. Um, so I'll talk to them about it um, if I'm struggling, or even just close friends. I have some friends that you know, are also in recovery and I'll just talk to them about it because they understand. But also my friends who aren't in recovery, I'll talk to them. Um, So I think just surrounding yourself with good people, keeping yourself busy and doing healthy activities like working out or just doing things by yourself that make you happy. Because I think also finding inner happiness really helped me get over that and make me not want. I had to love myself enough to say, I don't want to hurt myself anymore. There's no reason when I think I'm like the shit and I just want to, I love spending time with myself. So I think it gets to that point too where you don't want to self-harm anymore because you love yourself so much. So doing things that make you happy and spending time with yourself, get to know yourself. I think those are all important things. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. That's probably the most healthy advice you're ever going to get from Sarah <laughs> for the next 100 episodes if we make it that right you know. <laughs> probably yeah oh my gosh the most serious i've been too Oof. i was i mean that's pretty pretty impressive that was pretty heavy it was yeah, i'm proud was, of you though thanks it's that's tough for you i mean i think that that's one of the things i'm more open about but i still feel like i'll be judged but if you hate on my past and you don't deserve me in your future so oh my was... <laughs> god what did you fucking read a facebook meme or something like that I know, I, as i was saying and i was like this is the corniest thing i could say but i'm going for it all right whatever send it aware guys aware is an apparel and media company that aims to make meditation more accessible to the masses the aware audio experience podcast explores the growing role of mindfulness and meditation in modern society and supporters can extend that awareness into their wardrobes with Aware Apparel. Aware Apparel offers a suite of su- sustainable bamboo clothing and other mindful accessories like aroma bracelets and essential oils. Check out their Instagram at Aware Apparel or their website at aware-apparel.com for more. Also guys, don't forget to use discount code irregular10 to receive 10% off of your order. Again, that's irregular ten, and that's A W E A R. Thank you for that. Yeah, just in case. I mean, I don't know. How else would you spell aware? Like if you say aware, because I think that's it's a like a play on words. Yeah. Oh. I mean, if I you like think that. about it, because meditation and stuff. We should probably, aware, ask, should probably ask our our, our guy. Huh? I know. I should. <laughs> anyway, they have cool shirts, cool bracelets. Yeah, They're check dope. them out, guys. You know, I was I actually wore the shirt um, down on vacation, I believe. So. Oh, it was yeah, comfy. So it was. Felt good. Yeah. Felt good. Nice. So, so let's talk about you. A little bit. Um, so tell your story. Tell my story. I mean, where do you want to start? I mean... From the beginning. Oh, stop. <laughs> May 15th, 1991. I was born. <laughs> um, no. So... Uh, yeah, so I had a pretty challenging experience. Obviously, it's a little different than it's with gonna, what? Let me get there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's gonna be a little bit different than Sarah's. Um, so, uh, in July of 2017, I was diagnosed with cancer, 
And, um, you know, being 20, I was 26 years old at the time, that was pretty challenging. Um, and it was different. And I didn't really know what to do. Um, I will say ignorance is bliss in the sense that I have been pretty much a healthy human being my entire life. I don't really get sick. I used to make the joke all the time. Like I can make out with someone with mono and not get mono. Like I just, you know, I never got sick. If I got sick, it was like a cold for three days and then I just moved on. And But you're a guy, so you probably made that cold like seem like you were dying. Well, well, here's the thing. In my defense, I don't know what is bad. You know what I mean? Like, you know, how do you know what good is if you don't have bad, right? Or, you know, so I was like, uh-uh, maybe the reason why it was challenging for me to get through those three-day colds, you know, because <laughs> I'd never been sick. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But uh, no. Sorry, what kind of cancer did you have? So I had diffused B-cell lymphoma. Um, so can- cancer of the lymph nodes, which, mm-hmm. again, when I found out, I had no clue what a fucking lymph node was. <laughs> so I was like, uh, okay, like, what the fuck is, what is this, you know? So it was uh, it was very interesting. It was a very interesting time for me. Mm-hmm. I Go ahead. What made you go to the doctor in the first place? So the, it was about a year before I was living with my buddy that I mentioned actually earlier in the podcast, who's a paramedic. Um, and one day I was in the shower, I was cleaning the unit, you know, whatnot. And like off to the side, like on my groin, like I felt this bump and I'm like, what, what the fuck is this? So I did the most logical thing. I got super fucking wasted that night and came home and asked my, my buddy when he got back from work to feel my unit, you know, feel like what's going on there. Yeah. So I was like, dude, like, you know. Can you, what the fuck is this, you know? Was it actually on your penis or, like, to the side, like, in your groin? It was, like, in my groin, like, uh, yeah, like, okay. the pel- upper pelvic area. Okay. Um, and uh, and he was just, like, I don't even need to touch it. It's your lymph node. I'm, and, like I said, I was, like, what the fuck is a lymph node? And uh, he's, like, oh, it's, like, this pack of cells that, like, fights infections and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes they swell up when you get sick. And I was, like, well, dude, it's I'm, I'm not fucking sick. So, like, I don't, whatever. He's, like, trust me, like. It'll go away in like a month or two. I'm like, all right. He's like, it'll slowly go away. I was like, all right, whatever. Sure enough, it was like a month and a half gone. I was like, whatever. Fast forward, like, like, like I said, probably about a a year later. Um, at the time, my significant other was having fun and was like, what is what is this bump? And I was just like, oh, it must be my lymph node. And she was like what the fuck is a lymph node, you know? And I was like, well, it's this, blah, blah, blah. It'll go away in like a month or two. And then, you know, a month goes by, two months go by, three months go by, four months go by. And I text my buddy and I'm like, yo, man, it's kind of been like three, four months. It has, it came back and it hasn't gone away. Should I get it checked out? And he's like, yeah, I would, I would, I would get it looked at. So I was getting ready to go on vacation and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to let some shit doctor's appointment, like ruin my vacation. Like I'm just going to go on vacation. I'll come back and whatever. So I go on vacation. I wind up getting fucking water stuck in both of my ears. Okay. And had to spend my whole last day in urgent care, getting them flushed out. Wait, what'd you get stuck in your ears? Water. 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 (laughs) Water. W-O-O-D-E-R. So... I got it stuck in there and, you know, I had to spend, like I said, the whole last day in urgent care, like getting it flushed out and whatnot. It was such a fucking pain in the ass and a total damper on you know, the end of my trip here. And uh, they were like, hey, listen, when you get back, you have to schedule an appointment 
you know, with your doctor to have them look at it just to make sure like no eardrums were ruptured or anything like that. Or I was like, all right, well, this is like kind of a perfect segue to, to get in there as well anyway. So I went in and I asked my doctor, I was like, Hey, I have this lump here. Like what's going on? And she's like, well, we need to test for testicular cancer right away. I was like, well, what do we need to do that? And I, she was like, well, I'm gonna, she, it's funny. She's just such a nice lady. She's been my doctor for fucking years like my mom used to work at the doctor's office she's been my doctor that long and she's done all my physicals this that, and the other thing and she's like well um uh i kind of need to like feel uh down there well i'm a wrestler and i'm not ashamed i'm i whipped my pants off right away i was like all right let's do this you know but she was like it was funny because she was like kind of hesitant to like feel down there so she like felt down there she's like everything feels good and i was like <laughs> He just said I had nice balls. Anyways, <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, so I was like, I was like, all right, well, what's the next step? And she's like, we need to get a, uh, what the fuck's it called? Fine needle aspirate. A what? Biopsy? No, no. Well, yeah, fine needle aspirate. I don't know what that Where is. Where they just put a little needle in it and pull out some cells. Yeah, biopsy. Right? That's not a biopsy. That's fine needle aspirate. Okay, whatever. So eventually we got there. Yeah, we had to do, I had to do a fucking CAT scan. I had to do a uh, ultrasound and all that other shit. It was typical insurance bullshit. You know, they make you do one thing before you can do another. So anyways, fast forward, we do all the tests. We get the biopsy. It took from the first doctor's appointment to the day that I found out, it was like nine and a half weeks. Yeah, and it Jeez. got yeah, it was like nine and a half weeks, and and uh, got the got the phone call. I'll, I'll I'll never forget. I was at work, and you know they they called me, and they're like, oh, you know this, you know you have a diffuse B cell lymphoma, like blah blah blah, and I'm just like, okay, like what does that? What mean? the? I was like, what's that? And she's like, so there's this infection in your lymph nodes, and I'm just like, okay, and this you could tell this poor lady like just didn't want to be the one to tell me, and she's like you have cancer. And I was like, Oh, okay. Literally. I was just like, Oh, all right. And I'll never forget my buddy. Uh, my buddy Travis came out uh, who I was working with came out and was like, yo, you could. And I like, kind of like mouth to him. Like I have cancer and his fucking face. It looked like he saw a ghost. He was like, Oh my God. And I went back in and sat back at my desk and just went back to work. And like, everybody was staring at me. They were like, dude, are you okay? Like, go home. Yeah, and it was funny because my manager, like, came up to me and was like, do you need to go home? Do you need to, do you want to take the day? And I was, and I looked at him, I was like, why would I need to take the day? And this is, like, where, like, you, with your situation where your opinion is a little polarizing and how I reacted to my stuff was a lot different than everybody else, I didn't give a shit. Like, I didn't care. In the weirdest way that that sounds, I really didn't care. And he's like, He's like, you, you know, we just found out, you know, Travis told us like, you know, do you need to take the day? And I was like, what's that going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is that going to do? Me leaving here so I, so I can go feel sorry for myself? What, why do I fucking care? But it's not going to change. I'm, I if, still have cancer. It, I'm going to leave here and I'm, I'm still going to have cancer. So, you know, why do, why do I need to leave? Might as well just, I, I know I have a list of things that I need to get done. So, you know. Let me just work and I'll go do my list. Like, whatever. Like, I don't know. And that kind of was like my mentality through the whole thing. And I, I'll I'll never forget, I had a doctor's appointment. Um, let's also, I would also like to set the record straight that I would be dead if it wasn't for my parents. It's a fact. My parents handled all of my billing. You know, basically they told me, 
okay, you have to write this check for this amount to this person today, you know, and we'll mail it out. You know, you have this appointment this day. They scheduled all of my appointments. They've handled all of the bullshit, you know, everything on the side so that I could focus on just being happy and being healthy. So if it really wasn't for them, I'd be fucking dead. That, that is a fact. Um, they're good people. They're great. They're the best. Um, so, you know, I remember one time after an appointment, uh, my mom had taken me and we went and got lunch afterwards and we sat down and, you know, my mom's being a mom as she is allowed to be and deserves to be. And she's just like, Bobby, are you okay? I was like, yeah, (laughs) the fuck? (laughs) Like, she's like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm good. And I haven't started chemotherapy yet. This was just like a handful of the appointments leading up to chemotherapy and radiation. So it was still in the beginning. Very beginning. It was within the first week of me finding out. Oh, wow. And uh, I was like, I'm good. And she's like, you know, you don't always have to be a tough guy. You know, you don't always have to you know, be so strong. It's okay to be scared. And I was like, but I'm not. And she's like, I remember she just looked at me like I was fucking crazy. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not scared. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like... Life is a fucking giant poker game, you know, and you're dealt a hand of cards and it's your job as a human being to play those cards to the best of your ability. I got dealt a 2-7 offsuit, which for those of you who don't know, that is statistically the worst hand you can get in poker. And what am I supposed to do? Fucking keel over and fold my cards and give up? Fuck that. You know, I'm going to ante up. I'm going to bluff and I'm going to win this fucking hand. You know what I mean? So that was kind of like, like I said, my mentality where it's just like, Nothing's going to change anything. We fi- it took nine, nine, ten weeks to figure out what the fuck is wrong with me. Now we know. Now let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. Sitting back and crying and feeling sorry for yourself isn't going to do anything. So, um, and then from there, you know, went and did chemotherapy. Um, did I was supposed to do six treatments. I knocked it out in four um, with one little speed bump on the way where I went paralyzed after my chemo treatment which was good time how long were you paralyzed for so i had gotten my treatment and um at the very very end they unplugged you know unplugged me from my chest port and everything they were like all right you can go and my my girlfriend at the time was taking me back home and i used my hands to get out of the chair and i stood up and fell right back in the chair and i was like my legs don't work and the nurse is like what do you mean i was like my fucking legs do not work like they just don't so um, they plugged my chest port back up, this and the other thing. I turned fucking green and started profusely sweating. They threw my fat ass into the back of my my uh, my ex's car. She drove me less than one mile down the, the road to the emergency room. They pulled me in. They gave me a CAT scan to make sure it wasn't neurological and all this stuff. But it was a really weird feeling, you know, not... Not having control. To- total control. And it was even weirder, the fact that it was like spreading up. It, you know, so it started in my legs and it was spreading up like into my hands and my hands started to like really like crimp up and like, you know, whatever. I had no control over like my fingers and stuff um, where now hindsight 2020 where it's like, OK, your biggest muscles are shutting down, you know, at a very fast rate. What what else is a muscle? Your heart. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so like at what point was it going to hit my heart and my heart just stop? But in that moment, I didn't fucking care. I was just like, dude, this kind of sucks. You know what I mean? Like, but whatever just, happens, happens. Yeah, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, it, this is this is shitty, but I'm a bad motherfucker, and this is going to be fine. You know what I mean? And so it was like overnight, um, you know, they and I woke up the next morning, and I was like, I got to take a piss. And they're like, okay, we'll get someone in here to get like a pan and help you. And I was like, nah, I'm going to walk. And they're like, 
what? I was like, I'm going to walk. And they're like, you're a fucking lunatic. And I stood up and I walked to the bathroom. And it hurt. It was like painful. But you could feel. But I could feel and I could move my legs. That's it's amazing. Well, here's the thing. I could, I could still feel. That's the other thing. I could still feel before when I was paralyzed. I couldn't move them. So as much as my brain told me, like, move your right leg, wasn't happening. And then when they wouldn't move me, it actually felt like you ever do like a really hard leg day at the gym and you're mm-hmm. like totally sore all the time. That's what it felt like. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I, um, I got over that and whatnot and then had radiation. I did 18 radiation appointments and, uh, and that was really it. And it was over and done with. And I, it's like a humble brag, but it's, it's, I don't want it to be a brag because my story and my journey is totally so small compared to other people, you know, um, and it's, it's, it's tough. So to, how long have you been in remission? Since March 6th of 2018. So a little over, a little over two years, two and a half years. Yeah. So, um, it's been good, you know, and, and everything. And that's kind of where my whole motto of like, I've never had a bad day in my life. That's where it started, you know, because it's, it's true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've had some shit days, but it's still not a bad day. I'm still six feet above. I'm still breathing. I'm still here. I still have family. I still have friends. I still, there's, there could be so much worse. I could be doing all of this by myself. Yeah. And that's like huge to me. So I have a couple of things I want to touch on with this. Yeah. Um, your beard. Yeah. That was rough for you. That was rough. It was bad. It was really, really, really bad. Um, you take pride in that beard. Yeah. It is you. I was nervous that it wasn't going to come back because I'm already bald. So I'm like, fuck like come back better than ever yeah uh, a little bit right (laughs) we have we've had some bumps in that that road but whatever (laughs) and speaking of you being bald you have some pretty supportive friends yeah yeah so actually oddly enough it was pretty perfect timing in the sense that all my a lot a lot of my homies wanted to shave their head for me and um and show up after my second chemo treatment which just so happened to be the one where all the shit went down to me going paralyzed so um, you know, it was, it was really cool. And my, like I said, my, my family and my friends are the best people on the planet. I couldn't, there's not, there's not better people. Mm-hmm. It, there, there really isn't. Um, if it wasn't for them, I, like I said, I'd be dead. I, there's no question about it. I, I wouldn't have the willpower to want to try anything mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the fact that these people were so supportive, helping me out and doing whatever that, that needed to be done, you know, to make sure I was, I was good. So do you think you're afraid of death at all? No, not at all. That's an easy no. That's how I feel too. I feel like I've lived every day to my fullest and I've had a good run. And if something were to happen, that's what it's meant to be. Yeah. Now I think there's, I think there's like a two part question in that, in the sense that like, am I afraid of the process of dying? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm, am I afraid that if I get into a really bad car accident, like how bad that's going to fucking hurt and like, how long am I going to suffer for? And like, do I, am I afraid of that? Yeah. But the concept and the idea of me dying is not a scary thought. It is what it is. I just hope that when I do die, that I leave at least somewhat of a mark on someone's life here Mm -hmm. that it changes them to be a better person. That's my goal. You know, change someone in a way that they can never, you know, 
expect or ever repay or something like that. If that happens, then then I've done what I need to do as a human being. Well, you've changed my life, Bobby. So. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done your part. I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just stop that. <laughs> but no, I think I've done pretty well. Um, I, actually, one of my customers from Florida was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, like right in the beginning of quarantine. Mm-hmm. And uh, out of nowhere, like, I think it was like a month ago, out of nowhere, I was like, fuck, I wonder how he's doing. So I texted him. I was like, hey, man, how's everything? He called me like right away. We wound up, uh, he's an older gentleman too. Uh, we wound up spending two hours on the phone with each other, and it was funny because he brought up the sense that, or the uh, topic of me saying I've never had a bad day in my life. And he was like, I'm not going to lie, when I first started coming to the shop, you know, and you would say that to me, I thought you were just kind of being like a young punk, you know, just trying to be funny and all that stuff. And he's like, I never, even though I knew that you had went through that, he's like, I never really understood that. And he's like, now that I've gone through it, um, you know, I get what you're saying. He's like, it makes sense. And you're not fucking wrong. And I fucking love it. And I'm like, thank you. You know, and, and he's like, I, I can't sit back and just let this dictate my life. Like he has a really nice car, probably costs more than some people's houses, you know? And he's like, I make sure that I go out and I take my car out for a spin at least twice a week, just because it's what I love to do. It's, it's my, that's my passion. It's my hobby. It's my favorite thing that I've ever been able to accomplish, you know? And, you know, none of it is bad. None of it is bad. He's like, this does suck. You know, he's going through some shit. He's not, he's doing well. Don't get me wrong. He's doing well. But he's like, this is, this is a fun time. This is not a fucking good time. And um, he's like, I just really want to thank you for saying that to me now because I understand it better than ever. And oddly enough, I was on Facebook the other day and some shit popped up. Um, Yeah, this is going to be a free ad and they're not even going to know it. It was Cove Clothing or something like that. Cove USA Clothing. And it's like a picture. It's a t-shirt. And it's a picture of like this shark eating this skeleton. And he's kind of got like the metal fingers up and then like drinking a beer. And at the bottom, it it just says no bad days. And I was like, that's a fucking cool shirt. So I bought one for my my customer and I'm going to ship it down to him and stuff Mm. like that. So I think he's going to enjoy that. It's going to be cool. Yeah. I definitely feel... I mean, I think that we talked about this for a moment. Actually, it's the first thing that we talked about ever. I said, oh, I don't believe in chemotherapy. <laughs> right, yeah, you did. And then you're, you're like, like, what if I told you I had cancer? Yeah, oh, yeah, you were like, yeah, I think, you know, chemotherapy's fucked up, you know, we shouldn't do it or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I like, did not what if I told say you? that. I said, for myself, I wouldn't do it because I felt like I want to live out my final days to the fullest. But if you have, like cancer that's not for sure gonna kill you well that's the thing is you don't know that's the problem especially lymphoma one of the one of the most challenging things about lymphoma is the fact that it's so it spreads so fast like lightning you know because that's just how those cells work i guess again i'm not a fucking doctor and i don't know anything you know when it comes to this i felt like i've learned a lot but yeah that's the thing where it 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 can spread so fast and can get it can get really bad really fast i've had two friends who've had lymphoma both the same type of it and it was like horrible like one was in a hospital for nine months Mm. you know so but they're doing fine he uh one of them actually one both of them just had a baby oh wow yeah so and that's another thing okay so first off i just want to say i'm super ignorant so i probably shouldn't have an opinion until i do some (laughs) research and second of all i know that that's been uh 
something for you because you don't know if you'll be able to have kids. Correct. Yeah, I don't know. Last I'd been tested, I do not have swimmers. But they <laughs> didn't either. They didn't. It took actually my so, one buddy, if I'm not mistaken, it was over five years. So there's a there's a chance. There is a chance, yeah. More you than just one. won't go to the doctor to see. No, I, I do plan on doing that okay. soon, actually. Yeah, I do. That is kind of on my list of Good. things that I should check out because that's kind of important, right? I mean, you want to have kids, so. I didn't at first, so I didn't care. And then once the choice was taken away from me, I was like, fuck. This kind of felt like it feels emasculating. It's actually a really shitty feeling when when I got that test back and said that you have zero sperm. It was that was like a fucking nuclear bomb going off in my life, and I'm just like, whoa, you know? Because when you decide that, when I decide that I don't want to have kids, that's totally different than if the control being taken from you. Yeah, it's not it's not my choice anymore, and that's fucked up. And I didn't like that. Especially for you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm like a control freak, but like I, when it has something to do with with that, you it's know, a huge it's, thing. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. So I, I didn't, I didn't like that. So it's definitely something that I'm gonna have to dive into and and figure out. I think I'll be fine, to be honest. I really do. I think so too. Just, I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but I do have like a lot of testosterone and stuff, and I'm sure that you don't that say. yeah, right. <laughs> so I think that does help in this in that sense of uh, helping reproduce. Hopefully, you know, we'll see. Knock on wood. Yeah. So, is there anything else that you want to touch on with that? I think that you're an amazing person. I'm glad that you're here today. I mean, that would suck. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, talking to these four walls by yourself. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I think my my biggest thing like my biggest lesson that I learned from it is, is yes, my whole, you know, I've never had a bad day in my life and yeah, it's cheesy. Yeah, it's corny. But the response I've gotten from it from random strangers, when I say it to people, everybody loves it. Nobody's, nobody's hated on it. I mean, they'll talk shit, but no one deep down inside, they don't hate it. And I think it's very important for people to understand that a lot of shit can happen to you. And at the end of the day, someone is always in a worse position than you. My mm-hmm. dad actually taught that to me in high school because I was probably pissed off over some girl or some shit like that. And he's like, if this is your biggest complaint, you have a pretty good fucking life. It's true. And yeah, cancer is a pretty big deal and all that stuff. But seriously, again, like I said before, if this is my biggest complaint that I have a shitty situation, I got dealt a shitty hit, you know, set of cards but I have the best family in the world. I have the best friends in the world. I have great doctors. I have a plan. I have, and, and the plan is being executed. Then what the fuck are you complaining about? Just yeah. suck it the fuck up. You and know, enjoy the time that you have. Exactly. And it's, it's hard for people to understand, to hear that and not try and look and not look at me like, Oh, look at him. He's just trying to be a macho tough guy. Well, no, it's not that it's just make up your fucking mind. If you're going to wallow in, in your own and do woe is me, you're not going to go anywhere. It's it, it, you're, 50% of the battle starts in your head. You know what I mean? And that's not just with cancer. That's with anything, any challenge that you have. It, it starts in your head. If you don't think you can do it, you're not going to do it. If you doubt yourself, you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to complete your task. I mean, it's all, I believe in the power or the law of attraction. So if you think those negative thoughts, then you're going to be sick still. Because you have that negativity going through your body. But if you think, like, I'm going to get over this, I'm going to get through it and focus on the positive and the glass half full, then you will. Absolutely. I mean, there were days where I woke up and I felt like 
a fucking pile of shit. But, you know, and you take those days for granted and, you know, you're like, okay, this is just this kind of a shit day. It's not, not the best or whatever. But I remember, you know, go and take it, mustering up the, you know, the energy and motivation to take a shower, get something to eat and whatnot. You just look at yourself in the mirror. And I literally, I vividly remember looking at myself like, you're a bad motherfucker. Get this over and done with. Snap the fuck out of this. You know what I mean? You've been through worse. You've been through shit. You know, so continue being a fucking badass. Just be a fucking badass. It's not that hard, you know? And I mean, it's not, I, like I said, it's easier said than done, but it, you know, just be a fucking badass and, and you're going to, you're going to do fine, you know? And unfortunately I do know many people who have lost their battle and, but oddly enough, the one person who I think about the most who lost her battle was way tougher of a person that I could ever imagine myself to be. And I think that's, I think it's, that's beautiful. And unfortunately she's no longer here, but, um, like I said before, like leaving an impact on, on this world. I mean, I, I'll, I would put a small dent in what that girl did and her and I weren't even that close. Um, but I know the effect that she left on her friends and her family and stuff like that. And I hope, to Christ that if you know, you know if if I ever were to go that I hope I I do the same thing mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of like my conclusion is just be a badass and and push through the shit there's always a light at the end of the tunnel I promise there's always a light I think that kind of to conclude both topics um I mean we obviously had different struggles mine was started out as a choice yours you did not choose it. (laughs) But I think that we both focused at the end on like how blessed we are and how we shouldn't take life for granted. And I think that really got us through the darkest times. And, you know, there's kids dying of fucking malaria in Africa that don't have a choice and don't have any access to healthcare or anything. I like, we are both so fucking blessed. Yes. Very. So I don't know. I just think that for all you listeners, just, Every day, I say three things that I'm grateful for and think three things that I love about myself. And I think focusing more on that and the positivity in life will just, you know, make your life overall a more beautiful thing. And feel free to use my line. Uh, seriously. You mm-hmm. know, I my, my buddy down in Florida uses it and he told me about, he said it to some girl at the cash register and she's just like, that's fucking incredible. And she's like, you know... How, did you come up with that? And he's like, honestly, I can't take credit for it. It's my buddy who, you know, who beat cancer, took it, but feel free to use it. And she's like, that is amazing. So seriously, you know, by saying that every single day, when someone asks, hey, how are you doing? And you say that, if you keep saying it, it's going to be real. It's going to become yeah. real. It, it just has to happen. Life's a gift. Don't take it for granted. There you go. All right, guys. Well, we'll wrap it up with that. Um, thanks for being with us for another episode if you want to hit us up on social media we have our facebook group which is literally just our name irregular um it's pretty dope um my instagram is at sarah s-a-r-a-h j-a-i-b-e-e um follow us on our regular podcast instagram as well too at irregular podcast uh follow my personal account as well too at yo bob it's at E-Y-O-O-O underscore B-O-B. Um, check it out. Guys, with the episodes Isn't here... Isn't there a number at the end? 
No. Theo Bob. Oh, okay. No, it's you, Bob. Okay. Um, but then, you know, with uh, with the podcast here, guys, please like, subscribe, um, and play the episode again. We said it in the first episode that if you just play it and then turn the volume all the way down and don't even listen to us to the talk. Yeah, I don't care, but it'll help us kind of keep our status on uh, all the platforms that we decide to uh, release this on. So like, mm-hmm. subscribe and download and listen please that would be awesome if and reach not, out yeah reach out ask talk. us questions tell us things that you want to hear talk to us yeah. we're cool we're lonely <laughs> <laughs> we're in my parents basement <laughs> all right guys have a great day we'll see you later love you all